Thank you for tuning in to Mule Mountain Messages, encouraging words from the pulpit of the Community Church of Warren in historic Bisbee, Arizona. Today, we continue our look through the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Our services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday prayer and Bible study at 5.30. Please come and join the family. Well, you know, we all have times where, I admit it, we all admit it, we've all been there where it's like, oh man, I really don't feel like going to church today. I mean, right, we all feel that way. It's true. And uh, so Tom Rainier, he uh, has written several books on church and church membership and and reaching out. And he's a, a founder of this group called Church Answers. And uh, he asked ministers and churchgoers, what's the best excuse you've ever heard for not going to church that Sunday morning, right? And so... Um, one was, well, my wife cooked bacon for breakfast and our entire family smelled like bacon. So couldn't go to church. Uh, one was, I couldn't get the lid off the peanut butter. Okay, that's why they didn't go to church. So, um, Now this one's interesting. The church is too close to drive and too far to walk. So I was like, okay, okay. And one young man said, well, both my girlfriends attend church there. So that doesn't work. Uh, The Bible, the pastor stays in the Bible too much. And uh, (laughs) I always get hemorrhoids on Sundays. Imagine that. That was brave enough to actually say that. Um, And then, of course, this one. We can't help it. Sorry. It says the pastor is too attractive. When I see him preaching, I have impure thoughts and I'm distracted. So I know that's probably not the case here, I am sure. However, so we're going to pick up and we're almost, almost finished with Genesis. Not quite yet, um, but we are we are at the tail end of our journey in Genesis. And, and so to kind of pick up where we left off, we have um, Jacob slash Israel has died. And before he died, he had asked all his sons to include Joseph. Hey, I want to be buried back in the land of my fathers, back in Canaan. And so uh, they committed to do that. And all his Uh, sons journeyed to Canaan to bury Jacob as he had asked them to do. And so at some point in the journey, uh, probably, perhaps, I don't know for sure, but on the way home, you know, they were probably reflecting on life. You know, when we've gone to a funeral, we always kind of reflect on life and life together. We, We all do that. And we think about life that was, and we think about life as it could have been. You know, the brothers probably reminisced and pondered. And then somewhere, at some point, this awful thought got into the head of one of the brothers, or maybe a couple of them, which soon spread to the others. And he said, what if, this is, well, read it out of the word, perhaps Joseph 
will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him once they realized that their you know that their father was now dead maybe joseph was just waiting for this to happen to really get back at us so they're like what if joseph was just waiting till till dad died he's going to take his revenge on us yeah we don't know what prompted this thought we don't know but thoughts come enemy likes to put thoughts in our head maybe it was while they were traveling, they looked over at Joseph. And, you know, Joseph wasn't just driving in a Toyota to, to Canaan, right? I mean, he was, had this, he was the second most powerful man in Egypt. He was going to have this large caravan that was going to carry him. You know, the, the Pharaoh of Egypt wasn't going to let him go to Canaan by himself. He was going to send an armed guard with him. And then, of course, his armed guard needed food. And and, Fer and Joseph wasn't going to travel, um, you know, backpacking all the way. He had tents and servants and all that. And they looked at all that and they, they realized, and he probably has the best camels and the best chariots. He just projected this power. So much so that perhaps the brothers realized just how powerless they were. And then they also realized this was Joseph's second trip to Canaan. But his first trip was a lot different than the second one. The first trip he made between Canaan and Egypt, he was a slave. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. His future was uncertain and unknown. He was weak and he was helpless, but not now, but not now. And maybe looking at all this, the brothers thought about that and they became afraid. And maybe they began to talk amongst themselves because, you know, fear is contagious and fear grows when we feed it. And maybe there was a panic it started to set in. After all, their mind was off to the races. The what if bug. I mean, you guys ever played the what if game, right? It was bouncing around in their head. What if Joseph is thinking about his first trip and the circumstances which brought it about? What if Joseph was just waiting for our father to die to get revenge? What if He's laying a big trap for us. What if, he's, what if he's already arrested our families back home? Or worse, what if he's already killed them? You see, when we turn loose that what if monkey in our head, our minds always go to the worst case scenario. And for the brothers, the worst case scenario was once dad is dead, Joseph will want revenge. He'll come after us. And really, for believers, it's not a good place to go. For believers, it's not good to give in to that what-if monkey, to give in to fear. You see, when we allow fear to rule in our lives, it crowds out the faith we need to com combat the fear. 
I mean, think about it. Look at all the things that the brothers have seen. Their lives were saved by Joseph. Their lives were, were um, they would have all been dead. They would have starved to death. They could clearly see how God was working in their lives, yet they allowed this fear to crowd that out. You see, we build scenarios up in our minds and then we run with them. We give that fear feet and legs. And the more we run with it, the more it affects us. And it takes our focus off of God and it places it on ourselves. That's why God addresses fear in several places in Scripture. In the Old Testament, God exhorts us to be strong and of good courage. He's telling that to Joshua and the Israelites, but he says it um, throughout the Old Testament. In Luke, Jesus tells us, do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants what's best with us. Don't give in to fear. In Matthew 10, 28, Jesus teaches us what our priorities should be. He says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, your spiritual life should be more important than your physical life. Isaiah 35, 4 says, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. And finally, Paul sums it up in his uh, second epistle to Timothy. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Okay, we're not to fear. We're not to fear circumstances. You know, whatever it is, um, you know, I guess I can go here, but uh, we hear, at least from one side of the aisle, a lot of fear and consternation about the elections. Why? Why are we fearing? We don't have to fear. God's in control. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, I think we can all remember times in our lives when we were afraid of what might happen. Now, we all do get afraid at times. But should we let that fear rule our lives and crowd out our faith? Of course not. Of course not. If we start finding ourselves being fearful, it's one of those little flaming darts that the enemy wants to put in there, and our faith should extinguish it. But I will tell you, as I've almost done on occasion. If I'm out hiking and I almost step on a rattlesnake, I'm going to be afraid, right? 
you know. Uh, do I like big barking dogs that are hanging halfway over their fence, snarling at me? I don't like that, you know. But I think we all realize that that's not the fear that I'm speaking about. But even in those times, God can give us his peace. There was a fellow that lived between 100 and 165 AD. His name was Justin Martyr. And as he was led away to be killed, to be martyred for his faith, he said, you know, he told him, he said, you can kill us, but you cannot harm us. There's uh, many stories like that of martyrs of the faith. Polycarp was like, oh, just burn me. Okay, and um, the, uh, the, the unnamed Christians that were tossed to the lions, you know, going, singing hymns. You see, God give us, gives us that peace that passes all understanding. Well, unfortunately, the brothers had gotten to the point where peace was something they didn't have at this point. So they decided to send a messenger to Joseph. And you know what? That's a really was a good thing to do. If you're in the midst of fear, if you're in the midst of doubt, um, if you are thinking maybe that fear is, is that person mad at me? Is that person, you know, are they like here? Is he mad at us? Well, they went to find out. You know, they, they approached the subject. You know, we shouldn't let uh, our imaginations run wild. Find out if that person is mad at you. If they are, then fix it. If not, you don't have to worry about it. Don't assume what someone is going to do or say or presume to know what they're thinking. Find out. And that's exactly what the brothers did. They sent a messenger to Joseph. And they said, tell him, hey, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And it's interesting, they went up to ask forgiveness for Joseph for what they had done. Now, we had kind of assumed in reading scripture, that they had already asked for forgiveness. But you know, it doesn't really, scripture doesn't really outright say that they had asked for forgiveness. We just kind of assume that. But they're making it clear now. They're making it clear. Hey, we're sorry for what we did. Please forgive us. And you know what? This broke Joseph's heart. He wept. Maybe it was because they finally had asked for forgiveness. Or maybe it was because he was saddened that they could not see by his actions that he had already forgiven them. But either way, he was moved, moved to tears. And in that, he uttered some of the most famous words, I think, in Scripture. He told them, do not be afraid, for I, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, 
But God, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as this day to save as many people alive. And then Joseph goes on to tell him, and here it is again. Do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. There is nothing more comforting in this world, I think, than kindness, than kindness. There's nothing more assuring in this world than kindness. People hunger for kindness. And that one act of kindness on the part of Joseph swept away all the fear that the brothers had been holding on to. You know, we're living in a really unique and different times. I think we all agree with that. And one of the things that we were discussing at school one time, and I was talking with the Bible teacher, and he was, he was talking, he's saying, you know, it's interesting, but this generation of kids, these kids that I'm talking to, they're so full of sarcasm. Almost every answer I get back is kind of a wise remark, a sarcastic remark. And it's like, it, it, it's... It's what they do, you know, and uh, and we're living in this very contentious time. You know, I don't know where the sarcasm comes from, whether it's from games or what, I don't know. But certainly one thing I do know that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are called to be different. We are called to be set apart. We are called to be kind. Ephesians 4 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Colossians 3 since God chose you to be a holy people, he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Jesus was so kind. Think about and remember how he treated the lepers. And this scene is actually in one of the scenes of the chosen. This is really very poignant. You know, a leper comes and, and there's immediate fear on the part of the disciples. And man, they're drawing swords, picking up rocks, getting sticks. You know, they're yelling at the guy and this, this poor leper, you know, he's coming. And at this point, he could care less what happens to him. He probably just wants to die. And yet Jesus walks out. And before he heals them or anything, he reaches out and he hugs them. And that power of touch, that kind touch, he hugs them. And of course, all the disciples are like, <gasps> you know, and dropping the rocks and everything. 
And then Jesus heals him. It was that kindness. Kindness. There's power in kindness. And honestly, kindness costs us nothing. It doesn't cost us a thing. Joseph was kind. And his kindness brought peace to the hearts of his brothers. Jesus' kindness brought peace and assurance to people, including us in our hearts. Our kindness can bring peace in the hearts of those who God brings into our lives and across our paths. So resolve then this week just to be kind. Be kind. If you're not sure how you should react to a situation, then react with kindness. Now, I got to admit, my biggest fear is this week he's going to give me a circumstance that I get to prove what I just preached. All right? You know, I was like, okay, be kind, be kind. But I hope I do. I hope I do. So go through this week with peace and joy in your heart and spread that peace and joy through kindness and in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.